Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you guys are joining us here online. Uh, my name is Pastor James, and I am the next-gen teaching pastor here at this church. And I'm so honored and just so excited to dive into the next part of our Lifted series. So if you knew that we were uh, in a series called Lifted, would you just put in the chat right now, just say, let's get lifted. And what I want you to do right now is we're going to be a church that is a bringer culture. And so I want you to tag a couple of people right now uh, and just invite people or let them know, hey, we got the next service time coming on in just a minute. But right now, I'm so excited to get into the word. You know, I've been thinking recently about when we've been going through uh, just this quarantine phase, and I was thinking about how different it is uh, engaging right now in service. And, you know, I was thinking about one of my favorite things to do is to just try to get on the same level with whoever's speaking and to pull that gift out of them and to, to be agents of engagement, to be people that would, would speak out and, and call out the gift in people. And so I was kind of thinking about some of the ways that I've even been doing it intentionally in the comments. And I was thinking, I want to share a couple with them with you. The first one that I usually do, and you might see this if you ever see the service I'm online with you on, I might say, come on. And the way I type it, I write all caps, and I put it in the C with that, that one little colon right there, and then the M-O-N with a couple exclamation points at the end of it. Come on. Another way that I might uh, pull the gift out and engage with the, with the message is I might say, preach. And, uh, and I know you guys have heard me do that sometimes too. And some of my other favorite ones that I love to do is, is I love to say, uh, make it plain. Okay, so if, if I ever feel like we just got to that moment where it's something else needs to be said or it's like, woo, like, you know, when you just feel the presence of God and you're like, that was good, you're like, make it plain. And then another one that I, I, I love to say is, is uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, make it plain, come on, preach, and uh, yeah, talk about it. That's right. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren's heard me say that before. I'll say this sometimes. I'll say, come on, Pastor John, talk about it talk about it, and you, you see this little stumpiness, you know, that I get. Or, you know, if you're like real Southern, you might say something like, tell the truth and shame the devil. You know what I mean? No one knows what it means, but it is a classic throw it in there every once in a while. So I want you to engage with me today in the message, and uh, I hope you brought your Bible. I, I assume that, actually, I should just say go get your Bible, because I know you have it. And so would you just turn with me to First uh, Peter, and don't worry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you through there. It's about the sixth book in the Bible from Revelation. So we're going to be in the very back, and, uh, and we're going to go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, and we're going to read just two verses, and we're going to talk about lifted. So I pick up in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, and actually while you're getting there, because I know that you need to get your Bible and turn those, those real pages, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about what we're talking about. So Peter, you know Peter, the apostle Peter who, who was a ride or die with Jesus, it's now 15 years approximately after Jesus has been crucified and gone through the ascension, and now he's reflecting, and this isn't just the same Peter that we knew when we talk about the stories where he would try to cut off heads and miss and hit ears, or moments where he sucked at fish 
fishing, those kind of stories. No, this is the Peter that now is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this is the Peter who's walking in this authority where the church has gone through a, a house church revival. Yeah, kind of like what we're going through right now. And, and this, the Spirit of the Lord is moving and the church has exploded in growth. And, and now we see... Now we see that Peter in this story, Peter has is, is, is gone through some, some refinement. Peter has gone through some history with the Lord, and now he's addressing the church, and not just like the Corinthian church or the church of Philippi, he's addressing like the church, like us, because how many of you know that the church is not just a building, but we as the people are the church? And so he writes to us, and when I pick up in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, and I'm reading from the NIV translation, the New Living Version. It says this, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you should clothe yourselves with humility toward the one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And if you know this next part, put in a thread that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's our text for today. Why don't you join me in prayer right now? Grab a hand of somebody next to you in your house and let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you're present right now. We ask you, Holy Spirit, would you fill the room that we're in? Fill our hearts right now to be able to receive from you. God, I ask, Lord, that any person that's listening to this message online, that they would know that, God, you're close to them. God, you love them. And God, you care about them. And we ask right now that you would change us from the inside out and continue to, to lead us and guide us as the great shepherd that you are. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Put it in the chat. Amen. Amen. So I got to be honest with you. Um, there's one place that I am so thankful that I do not have to go right now to. And uh, if I'm being honest with you, I actually would, usually I don't use this word, but I either strongly dislike this place or I like hate this place, okay? And it's not because of them. I think they're great people. It's just because of the, the, the torture that I feel like I have to endure, okay? I'm talking about the dentist, all right? I, I, I dread going to the dentist, and I, and I think it's because there's something about feeling like I have to achieve something, and I have to, like, be told good news. But every time I feel like I go to the dentist recently, and, and some of you that clean my teeth actually go to this church, so you'll remember these conversations. But I remember just, you know, when they put that thing in your mouth and they start like talking about the numbers as they're going through and you know it's like five is like really bad and like one is like excellent and then they start going through and they throw a couple ones and twos in there but then you might get like a four every once in a while you know what I'm talking about and you're sitting there in the chair and you're like what does a four mean what was a four does that am I like losing a tooth like what and I just the horror stories the moments of where they ask you have you been flossing and you know, if you're anything like me, honestly, I, I, I'll floss on the way there. Like I just, I'll floss, I'll starve myself in the morning, I'll skip breakfast and, and I'll come in because I don't wanna have that film on my teeth. I'll even avoid drinking black coffee. Let me tell you, that is a sacrifice for me, okay? I'll put some creamer in my coffee, anything I can do to just avoid just the uncomfortableness of, of being in the dentist. And I guess why I bring that up is because where I might just be jokingly saying that I hate the dentist, did you know that there's actually a couple of things that God hates 
There's actually a couple of things that God strongly dislikes. And in fact, I wanna read that verse to you. It's actually found in Proverbs chapter 16, and I'm gonna pull it up right here, and I'm gonna read it to you, and we'll have it on the screens for you. But it's, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter six, verse 16. It says this, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. The word detestable means like strongly dislikes. The first one on the list, haughty eyes. And the second is a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. And the list goes on and on. But I found it so interesting when I started studying this week. I found it so interesting that I would have thought murder would have been on the first on the list. Now, I don't think that they're in some sort of like grading level of sin, but I just found it interesting that haughtiness was the first on the list. And if you know anything about the word haughty, it, it means pride. It means arrogant. It means this this disposition of superiorness. It's this, it's this mindset that says, I'm better than you. And you know, God, he hates that. You know, it actually talks about in the Old Testament alone, it says 47 times, guys, 47 times that God actually took away from man because of pride. 47 times, just in the Old Testament, battles, victories, power, influence, wealth. God strips away from man because there's something about pride that he stands against. And you know, when we read in that verse, if you'll go back with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 5, you know, the part that he says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. That word, when he says God opposes, that word actually means in the Greek in strong language to rage war against. Can I, can I tell you that God doesn't just churn his back or God doesn't just churn and ignore our pride. God actually comes against it. See, if you want to fight against God, let pride remain in your heart. But if you want the grace of God, the favor of God, the, the anointing of God, choose a disposition of humility. I, I love that he says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Favor to the humble. You know, the brother of James, he writes something very similar, and I want to bring this up to you. It's in James chapter 4, verse 4, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. He says this, or the NASB, I think, uh, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives greater grace. I love that. He gives greater grace, not just a normal grace, not just a normal measure. There's greater grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's something about a disposition of humility that attracts the presence of God. And I know right now we're all sitting in our houses quarantined and we're thinking this message doesn't apply to me. Can I tell you something? Pride is like bad breath. You don't know you have it, but everybody else smells it. And you, there's something about pride that when you just feel like, oh, this message ain't for me, or I wish she was watching or he was watching, you got pride. Okay, you need, you need to cleanse yourself. You need to put on, as the scripture says, to humble yourself, to clothe yourself in humility. See, humility is not something we're born with. Humility comes from being in proximity with the presence of God. It's this changing of your heart that you have to intentionally put on. And you know, pride has so many different forms. 
Pride is not just thinking that you're better than somebody else. You know, this week when I was thinking about pride, guys, I was thinking about how um, sometimes I like to compare myself to other people and I nitpick what other people are doing wrong because it makes me feel better about myself. And can I tell you that that's a form of pride? Just as much as feeling like, oh man, I remember when I was there and I didn't have that, that's pride. And I found myself in moments this week realizing, man, my breast stinks. I smell like pride. And and I don't like that. And God doesn't like that. And can I tell you something? When he talks about greater grace and God talks about elevating those who have humility, can I tell you the secret to elevation? It comes through a posture of humility. God will take you to heights that you've never seen before. And it's not contingent upon your talents or your character. It's putting on humility. God humbles those who, who elevate themselves, and he elevates those who humble themselves, right? And so I love that passage of scripture that James writes about, about greater grace, the grace of God. You know, we live in a world today that pride says, I'm self-made, I'm self-made. But you know, the heart that God wants us to have is that I'm God-made, I'm God made. It wasn't me that got me here. See, don't let the preacher with the mic fool you. I know that I've come a long way, but I still got a long ways to go. I'm aware of my weaknesses. I'm aware of my flaws. I'm aware of the areas that I need to grow in. And you know, pride would want me to self-inflate my heart. Pride wants me to feel like, you know, no, actually talk yourself up. You're not those things. No, I think there's something about bragging about our weaknesses that Paul writes about. He says that I'm going to brag about my weaknesses for it is when I'm weak that I'm actually strong. It's the grace of God, right? It's the greater grace that comes into your life when you recognize, man, I would not be here had it not been for the grace of God. Had it not been for God's presence, had it not been for God's favor, wow. And you know, it changes everything because you no longer have to puff your chest up and keep your chin high because it is the greater grace. It's choosing humility. And no better person to tell us about what it's like to be humble than Peter. I mean, if you think about the life of Peter, Peter thought it was okay to correct God. Okay, most of us would put our foot in our mouth, but you know, when Jesus says, I'm about to be arrested and I'm about to be, you know, crucified, Peter's like, no, that's not gonna happen. Like, Peter, what were you thinking in that moment? I, that, I would have been the person in the back that's like, I'm not gonna say nothing. Like, I don't even know what that means, but I don't think that that's gonna happen. Another moment is when, you know, when Jesus is, is about to be betrayed and arrested, and he says, all of you are going to deny me, and Peter's like, I would never deny you. I would die for you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're gonna deny me three times today, Mr. Hot and Hottie, okay? So in that moment, Peter has come a long way If you think about 15 years approximately from when those stories happen to the moment where now he's addressing the church and he's saying, listen, God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. And the brother of Jesus, who spent so much time with Jesus, says that he gives grace to the humble. Don't you want the grace of God on your life? Don't you want the favor of God on your life? Don't you want the hand of God on your life? When I find myself distant from God, it it, it has less to do with with what I've been doing and more to do with my heart posture. It has to do with the pride issue. And and so in this moment, I'm, I'm inviting you to join me in this, to choose humility 
and to come under the hand of God. That's my point for you today. I want you to put it in the thread. Would you put it in there right now? Just do, 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 type it in there that I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose humility and I'm gonna come under the hand of God. So that's my point for you today. And you know, there's moments like this where I'm reminded of the grace of God. And, and I wanna show you something that is so valuable is verse six. Verse six says this, in 1 Peter chapter five, verse six, and if you're joining us right now, we are going through a message on humility and lifted. And so I'm in 1 Peter chapter five, starting in verse six. And Peter writes this to us, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And you can cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, one, something that I wanna share with you and I wanna share with my friends behind me, something that changed my life forever was when I started to absorb and believe those last couple of words, that he cares for me. There's something that shifted in my relationship with Jesus when I recognized that he's not far and distant, but he's closer than a brother, and he's right here in my heart. And, and there's been moments in my life when I've had to, I've had to tell myself that he cares for me. Because sometimes I think, and this is very normal in our human nature, is that we think that because we're going through something difficult, God is no, therefore against us. And sometimes the way that you feel, you might think that that's the way that he feels about you. So there's been moments, like when my wife was sick with lupus, I had to tell myself, he cares for me. You know, when, when, when we didn't have enough money to even go on a honeymoon on our first year of marriage and, and my parents paid for our honeymoon to get away and I looked at my bank account for a trip that was already paid, I was negative $12 in my bank account, I had to tell myself, he cares for me. You know, when I found myself in our first year of marriage and we left living in her grandparents' loft and we found ourselves signing a lease for a place that he told us to move into, but I had no job and I had no income and I had to tell myself, he cares for me. And you know what I've learned through all this? I've learned that every step of the way, he was faithful then and he's gonna be faithful today. I've learned it and I've seen it. And so why do I tell myself that, that it, because I'm going through something difficult, he doesn't care for me? Can I tell you something? No matter what you're going through, he cares for you. Don't let the position of where you are dictate his relationship for, towards you, his affection towards you. He's zealous about you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He left heaven to come to earth for you. I mean, he wants this right now with you. Don't let pride, pride will tell you, I don't need God. Pride will tell you, I don't have time to read the Bible. Pride will tell you, I don't see the point of prayer. No, you need this in your life. We need connection with our God. We were made for worship. We were made to be with him. And so there's something about Peter that says, when you humble yourself and you come under the mighty hand of God, I wanna share this with you very quickly, and it's this. It's that when I'm dealing with anxiety in my life and the stresses and the weight and the pressure, I find myself recognizing it's because I climbed out of my father's hand. You know, the hand of God that is on your life, and can I tell you that the hand of God is on your life just as much as it is on mine. God is here for you and he is who he says he is. And God, when he puts his hand on you and you come humbly into the presence of God through prayer, through worship, through just being with him, you come under his hand and that hand in due time 
starts to come under you and lift you up. And his posture stays here, and it's me that climbs out of his hand. It's me when I start looking at the waves. It's me when I start looking at that other circumstantial things that I climb out of his hand. And then his response is, I'm right here, son. Whenever you're ready, you can come back under my hand. It's when I come under his hand, when I choose humility and I come under the hand of God that he begins to lift me up. And you know, Peter, when he writes this verse to us, it's not just clever language. I mean, Peter literally was lifted up from God. And so I wanna share this video with you. Check it out. So here we are right now at the Harveston Lake. This is right near my house. And I was thinking about getting us near the beaches, but of course the beaches are closed right now. But you know the story of Peter in the boat when the storm's happening and he sees someone walking on the water and he, he says, Jesus, if that's you, call me to come out on the water and I'll come to you. And it's in that moment that Jesus responds and he says, come. And Peter takes a step out of the boat, unlike everybody else, he gets onto the water. And if that was me in that moment, I probably would have stepped onto the water and then climbed back into the boat. But instead what Peter does that's different is he keeps his eyes on Jesus and he starts walking on the water. And in that moment, his eyes are fixed on Jesus and he's coming closer and closer and he's doing the impossible. But of course, if you know the story, you know that there's the wind and the storms and the current beneath him. And for a split second, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and he looks somewhere else and he starts to drown. He starts to sink. The current starts to pull him under. But he does something in this moment that I want you to recognize. Instead of fighting harder, he surrendered. And what he did in that moment was he said, Jesus, Lord, save me. And when he started to go under the water, Jesus, who he thought was far away, was close enough to reach in and lift him out of the water. This is why it's so important that we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because in due time, he will lift you up out of that depression. So there's a few things that I want you to recognize. The first is this, you might feel like you're far from Jesus and you might feel like you're all alone in a storm, but instead of fighting harder, if you will surrender and just ask for the Lord's help, he will reach down and pull you out. He is faithful. The second thing that I want you to know is this, the storm is only for a season. I love how he ends the story is that when they climb back into the boat, immediately it says that the storm stopped. And in that moment, everyone who was in the boat started worshiping Jesus because they recognized who he really was. Sometimes it's in the darkest and deepest of seasons when we're hurting the most that we truly recognize how powerful and how present Jesus is. Ain't that the truth? And some of us are all in a season. You know, we're all in this season right now feeling like we're walking on water right now. And we gotta keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't get focused up with just the hysteria and the storm and all these things. You know, right now, we're all in a place where we need to keep our eyes on him and we need to humble ourselves. We need to say, Jesus, be the lifter of my head. Jesus, help me through this season. Lift me up. You know, if you're watching this message right now and you're joining us and you're saying, this is great, Pastor, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, I don't feel like he's anywhere near me, that he doesn't care for me. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says everyone. So no matter what your, your scorecard of sin is, 
no matter how far you feel like you are from him, if you would just call upon the name of Jesus, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. And so I wanna give you an invitation right now to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life. What better moment than you could say to your grandchildren, you could just say to people that you know, I gave my life to Jesus while watching a preacher through a screen. And I was alone in my house, but I felt the presence and the prompting of God. And, and he drew near to me. And so if you wanna give your life to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to do an action step. If you're watching the church online thread, there's a little hand emoji thing. I want you to click that button so that we know that there's somebody right now who's deciding to give their life to Jesus. And then we're gonna connect with you through a form where you would just update us if you wanna give your life and that you're making that decision. If you're on Facebook, would you just put in the thread, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm getting lifted. So let's say that prayer together right now. Under the sound of my voice, would you just repeat something like this and talk to Jesus because he's in the room with you right now. Jesus, I give my life to you. I choose to believe that you are the savior and the lifter of my head. I ask that you would pull me out of the mire of my sin. I receive right now your mercy and your grace. I receive the greater grace that comes from coming under your hand. Right now, I choose humility and to come under your mighty and powerful hand. It's in the powerful name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. We pray, and everybody said, amen. And in faith right now, I'm celebrating because I believe there's some people that just gave their life to Jesus.